Yeah, you know, it's a heavyweight fight indeed. We got a couple of them going on this weekend, and we are ready to rock and roll and get down live back in action from the conference championships. We go all the way to the Super Bowl. Will the Bucks have home field advantage in the title game or Aaron Rodgers solidifying the Hall of Fame? To Kansas City, where we know we're getting a good show. Can Mahomes and the Chiefs make it a repeat, or will the Bills hand them the defeat? Welcome back, everybody, to the Power 32 podcast, all NFL, all the time. My name is Jason Fearman, where you may know me from the 3rd and 3 podcast with Tricky Nikki G and the Real Deal Damian Adams. Both shows are brought to you by Anchor Radio and presented by the Sports Column. We're just a couple of days away, guys, till we find out. Who plays in the big game? And here to help me figure all that stuff out, among other pro football hot topics, is former defensive back for the Dallas Cowboys, first round selection by the Green Bay Packers in 1993. It is Mr. George Teague. George, it is so great to have you here today, my man. Thanks for taking some time out for me. Yes, sir, Jason, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me to come on, spend some time with you, talk to good football, some matchups, and, uh, you know, wherever else that we need to go with it, man. I'm looking forward to this. No doubt. Me too. Can't wait. And the crowd is ready for it as well. All right. So let's hit this bad boy up already. You guys know how we start with a little neighborhood news action. But uh, first, I did want to congratulate you on the Alabama Crimson Tide winning, what, their 55th championship in a row? <laughs> Um, wow. I was worried about it going into it. I don't know why. It's just a national championship game. You know, didn't really know enough about Ohio State. Right. Uh, True. They really could do. So I'm glad we, we pulled that one out and brought home the 18th you you sure did. You guys ended up rolling them is what happened. And no doubt about it, who was the best in the land. It remains Alabama, and it will continue. It's amazing. They can't seem to put, like, you know, the best professional quarterbacks in the league. But you know what? Still at the same time, they end up winning year after year. But Tua may be that uh, exception, and we may talk about him a little bit later. So, all right, let's get into this neighborhood news action. Deshaun Watson is obviously a major hot topic, George. And – we're trying to figure out the best landing spot for him. In reality, you know, we can't say, okay, we're going to throw him on, you know, one of the can't like the Tennessee Titans. He's not going to get traded to that team if he does indeed demand a trade. So either he stays in Houston and has more say. Otherwise, you know, with all the rumors going out, where do you think would be the best landing spot for him that is again realistic and not again out of the realm of possibility? Yeah. Just breaking the relationship and making it as sour as it could be. It's it's very sad to see that, especially after you just, you know, signed the guy and made him, you know, they face. He was already there. But, you know, you just gave him a little bit of comfort level and then, you you know, this comes down. Yep. Um, So it's very, very sad. You're right. It wasn't handled properly at all. You're 100% right about that. Couldn't agree more. Should there be, you know, some kind of deal to get him down there with my 
might be. Is that realistic? I don't know about that yet, honestly. Um, I don't feel that way. It's interesting to me um, now that Philip uh, Rivers is out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know what kind of play they'll try to make. Uh, I, I don't know if Houston will go that way just just because. But I, uh, uh, I think that could be um, another spot that we definitely have to consider uh, for him to, to play. Um, you know, my, my deal is, truthfully, you know, whether or not he lands in – I don't know, Jason. Have we? Have they pretty much said he's going to be out the door? Has Jason has Deshaun, you know, basically put himself out there to say, "Let me go." Does he? Does he want to salvage this thing? What do you think? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, in reality, I think that he would rather salvage it again. Had that contract, and you know, Houston, everybody loves him over there, but. He doesn't have the firepower, and again, getting rid of D-Hop last year was maybe a sign of things, and then all the firings that had gone on and the way things were so poorly handled, um, I don't even think that he likes it from a social justice uh, point of view or injustice, I should say. So if he was to be going out the door, um, I took a poll, actually. It was the 49ers. I threw the Vikings in there, the Jets and the Bears. It turned out that the Jets got most of the vote, maybe a lot of New York voters, but I can see him doing well with the Bears. I'm a Niners fan, as you know. I would love to have him on my team. I think that we would be instant Super Bowl, you know, contenders right away. Um, but other places that he would go, I agree with you. He would be great in Indy. It's just I don't know if they're going to trade him to Indianapolis. That's the problem. Yeah. But I do I think 49ers would be a good fit. Oh. I don't like him in Chicago. 49ers would be a good fit in what they do. Uh, I'll make a bowl. Bold prediction, I guess. Uh, Drew Brees retires. Here comes Deshaun Watson in New Orleans. Wow. That, you know what? That is so funny that you say that because I was saying the same thing on a third and three podcast last night. I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's your replacement right there because Damien on my show is a diehard Saints fan. So feeling bad for him at that moment. That's going to lead me into something later. I'm really glad that you said that. And what about as far as Carson Wentz is concerned? Um, you know, now that they fired Doug Peterson, is it fixable there for them? Or do you think that just his days in Philly are completely numbered and he needs to get out of town? I don't think his days are, are numbered. Um, I think they actually made a choice with the release of uh, Doug Peterson. Yeah. That, that's what I feel. I don't have any intel on that, but I think it came down to, <laughs> you know, hey, what are we going to do here to stand off between? Peterson and the management, um, and they went with uh, Carson Wentz, I think, and I think that's, as we go into it later, I think that's why they hired who they brought in yeah. um, to try to, to fix the, the quarterback situation and build on the relationship there. Um, just because of Salad Cap, the way his numbers would hit, yeah, I'm sure the Eagles would take a big old, big old giant hit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Their cap. For sure. Unless, unless there's some way I was thinking, uh, George, that, you know, you talked about Indy before. I think that he would going back with Frank Reich would be amazing. We've been talking about that for a couple of months on the show. I think that'd be a great landing spot for him. But at the same time, you're right. I think that they made a choice out loud. No more Doug Peterson. We want Carson Wentz. 
Jalen Hurts, you know, again, not sure what's going to happen with him. He's got time to grow and everything like that, but very poorly handled by Doug Peterson. So I don't think that Carson Wentz has lost his ability physically. I think he's lost his mental ability, which he can gain back. You know, that the whole thing, look, Nick Foles wins the championship, right? Then they go to the playoffs the next couple of years. So it's not like they're a bad team and Carson Wentz is playing bad. He gets hurt at the wrong time and somebody steps in as the hero. Obviously, last year, or this year, I should say, there's really not much that you can say. He played very poorly. But again, I really believe that probably 85 to 90% of that is mental, afraid of getting hurt, not trusting his teammates, things like that. Would you agree in a way? No, I, I agree totally. Yeah. Um, and that puts me on the other side of when that happens. I do know from a quarterback, it's kind of like being a a golfer or whatever else, when you're off on your mental game and you can't hit that thing and you can't put it right, you not typically you're not shaking it off. <laughs> you, uh, you got to go put up the clubs. Um, and in this case, this when you lose confidence as a quarterback like that, the game is you know maybe now too fast with the system that you're running and, and things. It, it's gonna take some regrouping by him mentally. He's gonna need to find some help whatever that is, uh, off the off the field in the offseason to come back refreshed and ready to even have any success. It doesn't matter where he goes, um, even if he stays there. So I I would I would like I, for his sake, I think I'd like to see him go to another team and just get a fresh start and try again. Yeah. Um, but if he doesn't hit reset, yeah, it's not gonna matter. That's very, very well said. You're exactly right. Unless he can take the Aaron Rodgers approach, sort of saying, and, you know, they drafted his backup or whatever it may be. He may not play for three years like Rodgers did behind Favre. So mental toughness is a big thing, as you know. I ain't got to tell you, George, that's for sure. And, yeah, we were talking about the Texans. They're uh, the last team without a head coach now because we talked about the Eagles. They hired Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni earlier today. Uh, But this has been just a totally odd year of hires and where people are going. I do get the Urban Meyer to Jacksonville part because they're kind of like a college team. So they're getting Trevor Lawrence most likely and everything. And it seems like they need to rebuild over there. So even though it's his first time in the NFL, do you think that that made sense as a hire? Zero. <laughs> Very good point. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that, that's that's very scary 
what kind of grade I gave him. I think it was a B. I think they get a B for the hire. He just has to start faster. Yeah, I think know, that's fair. I think that's fair. And there are expectations, obviously, but when you're in Jacksonville, there aren't tremendous expectations. But at the same time, yeah, I do like the hire, and you're 100% right. No NFL experience at all. So that's going to be tough. But the guy does know how to run a football team. So we're going to see. Um, but one that I really didn't understand is we get through these coaching hirings, and I want to get through more players and everything that's going on with the playoffs. We're going to get through all that stuff and some of your playoff experiences. I can't wait. So I know the crowd is loving this one right now. Uh, the one I, I just didn't get, Dan Campbell. All right, he was the Saints tight end coach where Jared Cook basically fumbled the ball away. I'm not going to say that's Dan Campbell's fault, but he, you know, also an assistant coach gets a six-year deal in Detroit. I don't even know where that something like that comes from. And that, again, gets into it where I don't, you know, George, I don't want to get into the whole thing. And you can say whatever you want, of course. You know, I mean, this is your platform. You are the special guest. But it, it does get into all that stuff. It's like, well, should we just hire the best coordinator that's out there regardless of anything? And are we not giving the proper due to, you know, Eric the enemy who can't, you know, get a, a coaching job right now? I thought about a guy like Leslie Frazier. You know, Anthony Lynn got hot, uh, got got fired. Excuse me. So the only one of minority to become a head coach, which I'm very disappointed about, but happy for him is Robert Sala, who's Lebanese, who went to the Jets. So again, it's like the NFL is rearing their ugly head with these coaching hirings, and I, I just don't understand them. And again, Dan Campbell is the one that really flipped me for a loop. Yeah, please um, do. Thing. <laughs> you know, um, first day, you know, I'll say, I don't, I don't understand it. That one threw me off. I'm concurring with you. And the thing that sticks out to me the most is that he was a position coach. I know he was a assistant head coach, but he's never been a coordinator before. Right. Um, and I don't know that that's normal. I'm not sure. If you hadn't been a head coach and you weren't um, a coordinator, then how, how the heck did you get this job? I know he played in the league. Yeah, he looks tough. I mean, I'll give him that. He looks like a tough guy, but I mean, is that going to get the job done? I mean, that's crazy. Well, that's what. Well, that's why they hired him. They hired him because of his leadership, the toughness, the old Bill Parcells stuff that he has to come in and try to right the ship and get people to work um, and get quarterbacks to be smart, you know, and play good defense. I think it's probably to fix the culture more than it is about whether he can run the building you know, yeah. um, the right way with his coaching staff and all that. So I think that's where that came from um, personally. Um, but, you know, it brings up why, why can't other guys get opportunities? Why can't um, Eric Bieniemy, um definitely been touted as one of the best ones that should at least be getting the chance uh, you know, for the past few years, he's been one of some of the number one guys. Um, and there will be some aggravation about that. I was actually having this conversation with the buddy of mine uh, last night. Funny about it, just saying, what, what is the, you know, this rule? The thing you can't do is you can't have this rule and then just have it to be just a figure. 
Hayward just gonna fly this in because I can't imagine how Eric Bieniemy feels. Oh my god! How many how many interviews did he go on this year alone? Yeah, I, mean, I think he might have went to every doggone team. He went like five in one week when he only had a chance. I mean, talk about putting in work alone. I mean, that's showing you what he wants. My God! I mean, yeah, it's it, it's unbelievable. My only hope is right now that that the Texans, and again, it's not even necessarily for black or white issues. It's it's mostly because he freaking deserves it, and he's a guy who can come in there and take control. So I hope the reason why they haven't hired somebody by now is because they're waiting for enemy. And you know what? They have nothing that they have to race for. Everybody else has got their team, uh, has got their coach and everything, so they can sit back and they can wait. All right. I don't know why they didn't interview him during that time for whatever reason, but I am sure hoping that he does get that opportunity because off the head, I can't think of anybody else. And again, these other ones are head scratchers. The only one to me that, well, not the only one, you know, because I I do like Robert Sala, obviously a lot, defensive guy, a lot of motivation. Uh, But I do like what the Chargers did because they're mostly an offensive team, as we know. So getting uh, the Rams defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, I thought was a good move. Am I sure about it, him being a head coach? No, but he was damn good at what he did as a defensive coordinator. I was wondering what you thought about that hire. I, I think um, I'm, I'm going to average. Um, average, okay. I think it's average on Brandon Staley because um, the youngness. So we're in this trend now where everyone's looking for someone new, someone that we're looking for people young, people yeah. more innovative. Uh, maybe want to dance in the locker room or you know, be, 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 good, be good Twitter people and Instagram people and all that kind of stuff. So I understand that piece of it. But it's still the same thing, man. Yeah, five years ago, so I'm thinking about this like me. It would be like me walking into the NFL and five years later, I'm the head coach. You know, mm. at a D3 school five mm. years ago. You know, he got four years of NFL coaching. He's, you know, one-year coordinator, and he's damn good at it. I agree with you that Rams' defense was nasty. It's really, really good. has a good brain. Um, so I, I just, it's again the, the longevity. I hope that he can can do that. It's a great organization. I think he can have success there. Um, just got to buckle down, man. You get that hot seat, man. You become the head coach, man. It's different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You're not the one at the press conference usually having to answer a whole bunch of que- bunch of questions. He's going to have to do that now. There's no doubt about it. So again, another great point. Yeah, he's been in the league for a little while, but what he wasn't on my head coaching like search list. Like he wasn't one of the first guys I thought. But again, I think it may be a good hire for that team. We'll see how things you know again move forward with them. You know, the Chargers. You know, just making moves all over the place. They got their quarterback. We'll see. The last one was another one that I never even heard of before. I don't know who the hell Arthur Smith is. I, I know who he is. All right, don't get me wrong. I, I know he's the Titans' offensive coordinator, but it, really, I mean, you, are you going to piggyback all that off of Derrick Henry? Where you're going to a team where you have Todd Gurley, who's half the player that Henry is? Is that what you're basing this on? So again, I know that Ryan Tannehill looked better in Tennessee. That's because he had a better team than he did in Miami. So I'm trying to figure again all this out. Yes, they put up a bunch of points at certain times this year. 
mostly against crappy teams. One time they did get the Colts, who did have an excellent defense this year. I was a big fan of what they were doing. But this Arthur Smith hire is another one to me that why can't you wait and look at more you know, more candidates, you know, again, whatever color they may be, I'm just shocked that they go so fast, so quickly as if he was this real hot commodity, Arthur Smith. I don't know. Does Arthur blank just want somebody with the same name? What do you feel about this one? Yeah, man, you hit it right. I figured it was a Arthur and Arthur kind of thing. Um, (laughs) Because, you know, I don't, I'm trying to make sense of it. And I'm going to say, Piggyback on what you said, it had something to do with Tannehill and maybe trying to think that maybe he can come in and revamp. I'm saying revamp Matt Ryan. Yeah, come on. Something that he could do to get him playing better with Julio and the other guy from um, Calvary. Yeah. Um, you know, can he produce something to get those guys active and have Gurley fit into it somehow? So I think that they're saying, hey, that he can help us to be more productive because the offense that the Falcons have not been as good as it should be, I think. Uh, no. Not as consistent as it should be. Definitely not. I totally agree. I totally yeah, agree. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I think it's uh, okay hire. I'm saying okay, again, like a B, because uh, if, if their focus was to make this an offensive move, hey, we got to have more production because we got all these weapons and they think he's the guy that can do it, that's fine. But they still got to be able to fix <laughs> the defensive side of the ball in Falcons anyway. So right. No kidding. They do. And also, necessary to fix that defense. yeah, it might be a psychologist over there. You know, they can't figure out when to pick up the ball on an onside kick. They can't close games <laughs> out. You know, I don't know what it's going to take, man. They may have to hypnotize him or something like that. Unbelievable. But, um, hey, <laughs> I knew that was coming at some point. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, it wasn't a big win for Drew Brees this weekend, but a big win for his career. He finally hung up his cleats. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, obviously. There's no question in that. So it's really more of a congratulatory thing for Drew Brees. But we all saw what was happening to him. He was getting older, dwindling down. I mean, he broke 11 ribs. I didn't even know you had that many. So, I mean, obviously at 42, it's a lot harder to handle. But getting into it a little bit, do you think that their future quarterback is on the roster right now? In New Orleans? In New Orleans. No. <laughs> no. Because I hear James, I hear some people say, well, I, Jameis Winston could do it. Sean Payton could fix him and everything. And I'm like, well, I'd rather not risk it. I, I, I'd like to look for maybe a quarterback coming out of the draft to start up or somebody else. But I want to know what you think. Yeah, no, I don't think Jameis is, is the, the guy. I understand the numbers that he kind of had and maybe a little flash of success that he had when he had the opportunity to play. To play. But I think enough was said when they put Tannehill, I mean, not Tannehill, uh, Tyson, in before Winston, when uh, Breeze was hurt. Right. I think that was enough for me to say that, okay, Jameson is not their guy. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel. And I don't think Tyson is their guy. I didn't even know he was that old until I <laughs> got there. I was like, dude, you know, I don't know where he went, if he went in the military or he took a high school <laughs> in the league. Um, 
something, whether it's the draft or they're going to have to hit um, free agency, try to make this trade. That's why I'm really, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm saying here on your show, if he goes, they they have to go make a run at Deshaun Watson. I don't know if um, the Wences maybe fits into their scheme. I'm not sure. Um, But, man, it's just... It, it will be a shame if they don't find the right quarterback to fit with them with all those weapons they have. With right. Michael Thomas and Kamara, you know, it just, they got to have a, the right dude. Exactly. Um, to come in and yeah, because I, I think they're ready now. They can win. They could have won a Super Bowl this year, and I hate to say it, if they had a better quarterback than Drew Brees. And again, not a knock against him. He just got older and got really banged up and everything. Man, if Deshaun Watson is a possibility – I would give him two first round picks, no problem. And, you know, with like stakes, Omaha stakes delivered to their house for like the next year. I don't know, whatever it's got to be. Just bring him in. Bring that guy in because he is phenomenal. And you know what? It's so an amazing juxtaposition between Drew Brees, who has been the league leader forever in accuracy, right? Uh, completion percentage. Deshaun Watson had just took him over by 0.1%. I think that is amazing, and that speaks again to how great Deshaun Watson is. He's top four quarterback, top five at worst in the league. That's the guy you want in your team. He is amazing, and a 4-12 and season, he did not stop for one second. 27 touchdowns, seven picks. I mean, this guy is unreal. No running game, no defense to count on, no offensive line to count on, nothing. And he can have a season like that? I mean – Again, if they weren't four and twelve, he'd be the MVP probably. Guys, unbelievable. Yeah, he's licking his chops right now. He's probably talking to Drew Brees, trying to bomb Drew Brees out, so I'm just going and leave, man. Let me have it. Yep, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, Brees is done. He's going to the booth, man. So that's going to be it for him. There's no doubt. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that that player's on the roster now. I maybe they give Jameis a chance, but. I don't think that they should. I think they should look elsewhere. And we may get surprised to see who it is at the end of the day. I don't know if they'll go with Matt Stafford for maybe three years. I don't really like that so much. But, again, we have time to see. We have time to see. Um, I want to ask you about Phillip Rivers, but I'm going to do it after the break. One thing that just came down very recently is that Dwayne Haskins is signing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I wonder, intertwined, does that mean Ben is retiring does Mike Tomlin, the organization, see that Haskins has it? Or is it the fact that you have this Duck Hodges behind there and of Mason Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, that you need a better player? I don't know what it is, but the way everything came crashing down with Dwayne Haskins, I'm surprised he got picked up so fast. But in my opinion, George, he got picked up by the right guy, Mike Tomlin. That That's somebody who can get you, you know, it get, get you straight. So Haskins going to the Steelers, and there could be a lot dug into that. Yes, sir. I, I do agree with that. I think it's um, very interesting. I, I'm going to concur. I thought he would be done for the year, actually, after he had to part ways like that. I figured that they would, you know, I'm saying the year is after the Super Bowl. Right. Keep going a little bit. Um, but apparently they must have saw something in him that we don't know about, um, you know, that they feel like he can come in and go. Um, Big Ben, the, the story on Big Ben is still out there, too. Should he retire? Is he done? I, I don't know. Um, of course, you always want the, the 
Yeah, um, yeah, I know. But it, it does have to use. Uh, we still got some upside to learn and things of that nature. But the, the decision making uh, I'm asking and even some of the accuracy that I saw or lack of accuracy <laughs> um, that I saw, I think it would take uh, a great amount of work to make him your guy. Uh, now, I didn't look to see what kind of contract he signed because that would stay a lot to me as well. You know, how yeah. much money did they get? I don't know if those details are out yet. I'm not sure. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, once we find that out, that'll tell us maybe a little bit more about what's going on. If it's a one-year deal, then it's a project. If it's more than that, then it could be something. You never know. So, all right, hey, listen, I got George Teague over here. We're having a great time. We're talking about the hirings, the firings, the, the new places where everybody's going, but we're about to get into the playoffs. We're coming back in 60 seconds. This is the Power 32 podcast with George Teague. I'm Jason Fearman. We'll be back in 60 seconds. Quick break. This one goes out to my to my coolie. version we don't want to make any dirty stuff going on over there i don't know if the kitties are listening and everything like that's like who's that mommy all of a sudden they're buying tupac albums all over the place but uh you know what you should because it's one of the best stuff i ever heard in my entire life man we are rolling rocking back and forth left and right upside and down on the power 32 podcast with my very special guest george teague freaking superstar in the NFL, man. You really were. I remember, I, look, dude, I remember your playing days. The 90s was like, you know, my growth period in football. Like in 86, I started watching. Then I see you coming to the league. You put the Packers one second. Then you with Dallas. And I'm like, this. why does this guy keep going to all my enemy teams? And, you know, we talked about that a little bit. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> You did, man, and and you did put a lot of punishment on us. And, you know, obviously we're getting into playoffs right now. We've been in the playoffs. It's been amazing. I think that we may have the four best teams left. Look, we got the youngsters on the AFC. We got Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Then you got, you know, some of the older guys over there and Aaron Rodgers, and you got Tom Brady. It's just ironic. I think that any combination of any games that we're going to get is going to be absolutely awesome. And there are always major moments in playoffs that happen that get a team over the hump, like a Stefan Diggs, you know, sort of Hail Mary type of thing, you know, and taking it down the sideline. You never know what's going to happen. But sometimes a player steps up and just does serious damage. And, George, you did that a few times, man. I was actually looking – I mean, look, I remember you as a player, so I watched a lot of stuff, but – there are some things that really amaze me. I want you to get into some of your playoff highlights, but I got to tell everybody that probably, I don't know if it's your favorite or your best playoff game, but the game against the Vikings in the 96 wild card game, when you had three, I'm sorry, you caused three turnovers on three consecutive drives. First, stripping amp, uh, amply, I believe it was, 
He was going for a touchdown. He knocked the ball out of the end zone, which is ironic, but the Richard Higgins play that happened over the weekend. I might have to ask you about that and think about that rule. So the ball goes out of bounds, touchback, you guys get it. And ironically, we saw, like I said, we saw that similar play that happened this weekend. Next Vikings possession, big-ass Leroy Horde, man. You take the knock the freaking ball out of his hands. No easy task at all. Another turnover. And then I guess you decided that wasn't enough, bro. So Minnesota's next set of downs. Here you come up again and intercept Brad Johnson for a 29-yard touchdown in an absolute romp, 40-15 that day. Three consecutive freaking possessions for the Vikings. You cause a turnover. How much did your teammates love you, and what did they buy you that day? <laughs> Good Lord. You know, you get um, extra money for every playoff game you go to. So guys are very, very happy about that. We find a way to win a game and you get that extra little per diem check. Um, you know, and I, I'll give uh, Tupac some of the credit for that because that was my hot music back in the day. Oh, all right. As well. So I appreciate you for uh, bringing us in on that segment because it, it really gets me, you know, uh, fired up to be able to talk some more about the football stuff. Ah, that's perfect. Uh, but you know, when you have games like that, or anytime you're on the stage in the playoffs, um, you know, it is different. So people say, well, you should play all the games the same. But man, when you get to the playoffs, you know, there's only a few teams standing. Um, things are elevated. The way you prepare, I would say, the uh, well, we kid and used to kid about it uh, a lot is. Um, players saying that all the coaches get up tight, you know, and they're, they're riding it a little bit harder uh, because things are more at stake, you know, it's the one-and-done kind of mentality. But you really seem to find is guys who are made for the big stage, mm. you know, they can go one way or the other. So, you know, humbly speaking, I, I thrived on big games like that, National Championship game, making plays, you know, when all eyes on you, you know, rising to the challenge, playing in a game like what you're mentioning, um, in, um, against the Vikings, uh, and my back against the wall kind of as a player, <laughs> you know, and saying, oh, no, I got this, you know, I can play yep. and do this. So, and you know what, and I, I'm, again, I hope all, all your fans are listening to I'm saying this all in a humble stance, but I really like to know if I can only really look to see if that's some kind of record or something a person called three turnovers. I mean, back to back like that. It's you know my record for the hundred and one yard interception return in the playoff game just got tied. Dude from Buffalo. I know Teron Johnson. I know. I, I can't believe it. It's ironic. Totally ironic. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know what you. Know, you was you was still the first to do it, man, and he didn't break your record, so you still have the record. So I wouldn't mind that too much, man. And yeah, I mean, you know, there is, you know, like people say, well, you should be playing hard every day, but you're right, man. When you get into the playoffs, not that I would know from a personal level, everything is just amped up that much more. Every play is a hundred and ten percent. You don't take a little play off here and there. Everything's so when you have your time to shine, like you did in that Minnesota game, and then against the Lions, you know, with Barry Sanders and everything, returning that interception 101 yards, which takes a lot of guts, again, to take it out of the end zone in a playoff game. That's where you shine, man. That's where you make your dough, and you did it. You did it. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I would put it in terms of, you know, if you're just a, a work. 
working man or woman and it, there's no one in here that can't tell me that they work differently or that they don't work differently when the boss walks into the room. <laughs> right. You might be one of the best employees or the best teacher or whatever it is, but you know, when people around you do things differently, and that's kind of a similarity um, to this. So these players, when you watch this, you're going to see Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Godwin and Evans and Holmes and Allen and all these guys, that they're going to play different. They're going to play lights out um, just because of the their stage they're on. There's two games on. They know that. It's in their heart. It's in their mind. They, they prepare different. They study more film. This week, they read the uh, scripts and all the keynotes and all that kind of stuff more. They're going to have that memorized more so they can put themselves in position because not only is it about winning the game, but you know, there's some free agents on there trying to get this deal and they know this is the time where they need to shine. Mm. Um, and, and so um, it's really, really cool as a player to be playing in the playoffs, uh, particularly in Lambo. You don't even know how that feels. Those fans are nuts <laughs> um, um, up there. Um, and trying to go into Kansas City and, and listen to the way that they cheer. Um, I think it's just going to be different, man. Um, it's a good different, particularly for the players. They're going to be more fun, more smiles, and more tears at the end. Yeah. Two of these teams are going to lose. Uh, and I know who they are, so when you ask me what my all right, all right. Look at that, a little teaser right there. This guy's a freaking pro in all areas. I know it. I love it. That's good, man. That's good. One thing I wanted to ask about uh, the playoffs, um, just one thing particularly that came to my mind. During the week, is there, you know, when you're getting ready for a playoff game, whether it's wild card, NFC championship, whatever it may be, is there less hitting? What's different about practice other than a lot of game film and game study? I understand that, but... Is there anything different that goes on during the week that normally wouldn't happen in week 6, 7, 15? Absolutely it is. It's uh, a great question. It is very different in that sense. Um, you know, first of all, if when you're in week 18, 19, um, you should know the basics of your, your plan. You know, you kind of run the same thing mm. pretty much. You should know how to run the route, make the tackle and all that. So, there is a lot of times just trying to get fresh. You got to keep the players fresh, so the coaches will back off um, and give you more film time, more walkthroughs. Um, you know, still work out the kinks of your bodies just so that you can be healthy. Because you can't afford to have those injuries in practice now, like you might be willing to take an extra chance on earlier in the in the year. So, so teams will will back off. They're going to give you more time to go get the steam room and uh, the hot tubs and, you know, to go get your massages and get yourself back together um, so that you can play. Co coaches are smart with that. And plus, they want the extra time to go study more film. She is true. <laughs>
Makes sense. All right. That, thank you for that. That That's a great answer right there. Yeah, definitely less hitting, more studying, getting it together. And you're right. By that time, you know, you've played 16, 17, 18 weeks of football or whatever it is. So you're ready to go. You know what your offense is. You know what your defense is. You know what to expect unless you've had tremendous changeover uh, within your roster. That's a different story. But I totally hear what you're saying. And I'm glad to hear that coaches actually do that because they're not the guys who get on the field and have to get their body banged around a lot. So understanding that notion is really important. So I like that a lot. Great answer. And I appreciate it. All right, man. Well, you teased it. So let's get to this freaking thing, man. I am ready to talk. What's going on this weekend? No Saturday football. It's all about Sunday, and that's the way it should be. This is where champions are made right here. So let's go to the way the games are in order, man. So we got Bucks at Packers. Uh, just for those who care, Packers right now favored three and a half. So take that however you want. This isn't a gambling show. I'm not going to go into it. Um, but let's get into the I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers a little bit, but let's get into the game first. Where do you see if there is, because I did a lot of deep diving into this, do you see a distinct advantage on either side of the ball for either team? Uh, okay, well, uh, I'll say an advantage because on paper, you would think uh, that the Bucks have an advantage because of their roster. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, even Steelers John is blank um, on his name, but they're loaded. They got a good defense, you know. Got good DBs, got good D lines, and you kind of look at that and you go, "Man, these guys got a you know chance to win it off talent alone." And I think that's where people kind of get confused about it because when I look at the Packers, they're ahead of the game because they're a very balanced football team. They can run the ball. Yes. Up here in Green Bay all this time, it's 20 degrees, wet 
kill at zero, and you ask me to come down here in December, it's 85, I'm cramping up. You know what I'm saying? And here go the Bucks about to come up there. And when they fly over Appleton, Wisconsin, or wherever they're going to fly into with their little plane, they going to see something that some of these guys might have never seen before. Yeah. And they're going to catch a world of hurt when they get out that plane, and maybe they got on a nice jacket, and that wind go hit them in the face. Yeah. Yep. That's a whole different story. That's a whole other story. When you get off in that cold weather and you just you get off the plane and that wind smacks you in the face, man, it's a whole nother ball game, bro. There's no doubt. And this is the first time that Aaron uh, Rodgers has home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So that does say something for him also. The thing that impressed me so much about the Packers was the offensive line against the Rams' D-line. I know that Aaron uh, Donald wasn't there for a large part of the game and he was hurt. But still, they had so many other great players that can come in and wreak havoc on them. So I'm very impressed with them, even without left tackle David Bakhtiari. So that's where they can win in the run game. I think the only thing that Tampa really has over them in any sort of distinct way may be the secondary. But even with Green Bay, you got Savage, you got Jair Alexander. You know, they got players back there who can play as well. So, yeah, man, Tampa going up there, it don't look good. One last question before I get your prediction really about this game. And, you know, we can go on a little bit more, but I definitely want to know this because you're a defensive guy. What kind of defense would you play against Aaron Rodgers' offense? Would you go zone? Would you go man? Would you mix it up? Talk to me. It would be called the Jesus Help Me defense. Oh, that was great. I, I did not expect that. That was awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you try to go man with these dudes, you're going to have to double Devontae. So, and these other guys, Lazar, um, how do you say his name? But like, I, I have a problem all the time, man. They make fun of me on the show. I just call him MVS. Mark, it's Marquez. <laughs> Valdez Scantling. If I say it real slow, like phonetically, I can get it. But I get busted on all the all the time on the other show for saying that. And you know what? Another dude, Robert Tanya, their tight end. He stepped up big time, especially in the end zone also. So they got guys to throw to all over. You want to double Devontae Adams? Go ahead. You're going to have a horrible, horrible day.
can listen to what he said on the uh, Mexico network, you know, where he was talking about the Rams, slyly and smartly, but cocky. Yes. <laughs> you know, at the same time. Yes. He, he is feeling it. He's feeling himself right now, and he's in that zone where you can bring what you want to, um, buddy. Um, <laughs> Ridiculous. In Lambeau Field, um, it, it just, the pack is prime and ready. Tom Brady's knees are going to be hurting because it's going to be cold. That cold weather going to get to him. Uh-huh. The knee is going to be stiff. For sure, for sure. He's the MVP this year in my eyes. Like you said, what an unbelievable QB to interception ratio. He's the best of all time at it. And I'm just going to piggyback off of you with, with saying the Packers win this game, they cover, and I think they cover by a lot. I think people will be surprised that they'll pull away in the fourth. I think it's a 31-17 type of game. So I agree with everything you said right there, my man. I'm totally with you in lockstep 100%. Packers going to the Super Bowl in my eyes and in George Teague's eyes. Let's find out who's going to fight them in the Super Bowl. Is it going to be the Bills or the Chiefs? Again, for those who care, the Chiefs right now are minus three. Maybe they'd be a little more if Mahomes wasn't hurt. We know that he had the some. We're not sure if it's a concussion more. We're not sure if he tweaked his ankle more. So there is a lot that goes into that. There's no doubt. I got a little worried about Josh Allen, and I love him this year. He's just absolutely incredible, and I loved him when he came out of college and knew that he was going to turn into this type of guy. Maybe not even that good, but um, only scored 17 points against Baltimore. I know they have a good defense, but one of them was a defensive touchdown. Okay, so it was only 3-3 going to the half. That bothered me a little bit. Patrick Mahomes could wake up out of his bed and he can throw the ball a mile and hit anybody without even looking at him. So there's a lot that goes into this game. I don't know if it's going to be his ankle that's going to give him a problem, even though I feel like he's one of those guys that can overcome that anyway and it wouldn't matter much. But neither team has a particularly, you know, has has a particular advantage in many certain areas because the Bills defense, yes, they're getting a little bit better. The Chiefs get a little bit better. Neither team runs the ball. Does that bother you at all that neither team even runs the ball? Or is it just because these two quarterbacks and their wide receiver core are so good, they don't really have to and use those wide receiver screens and whatnot in order to get yardage? Oh, George, did I lose you? I hope we haven't lost George. George, you still with us? Hey, George. I'm not really sure about that, but don't even sweat it, man. We're all good. We're still rolling. We have no problem. We miss like no time at all. We are good to go. I have no idea what happened.
but we're back in action. So it's all good. I was just basically talking about, um, and just in case you missed any part of it, you know, with the way that Josh Allen, you know, didn't really play such a great game, not that he needed to against Baltimore, a 3-3 game going into halftime, and it was a defensive touchdown. So they only had one offensive touchdown. You got Mahomes kind of limping in a little bit. So I'm wondering between these two teams, who's got an advantage and where, because neither one of them run the ball, and all they really do for the most part is pass. So at some point we all say you got to be able to run the ball in the playoffs. Does that – is that going to pertain to either one of those two teams? And if it does, and it does have to come to some running in the game in order to get your play action going or whatnot, who would you trust more in that situation? Not just the quarterback, but the threat of a running back as well. You know what? I think they're, uh, we'll probably need to look up what the stats are on the most passes thrown in the game because I think this is going to be, I think they're going to shatter that stuff <laughs> run the game. Probably right. It's tough. I mean, you know, they got Breland, who's one of their better cornerbacks, and he's also got his own uh, concussion issues. You're not going to put Tyron Matthew on him because he's more of a, you know, all over the place type of, type of guy. And by the way, I think Tyron Matthew should be defensive player of the year. I'm just throwing that out there. I know Aaron Donald is, you know, winning it every year and is always in talks and he should be. But Tyron Matthew is unbelievable. He's always around the ball. So he would be a guy who would scare me. But Josh Allen's got all this confidence. And you're right, Stephon Diggs, you're not going to be able to guard him one-on-one. And you're not going to be able to guard Tyree Kill one-on-one either, even though your name may be Tredavious White. There's nobody who can stick with him one-on-one. So you have to have a guy over the top. You know, so it's really pick your poison over here. I think that both teams are really going to rush for and try to play gap discipline defense to not let either one of these quarterbacks run out of the pocket and make a play because both of them can. So you can't have two guys running in the A gap or the B gap or whatever it is. You really got to spread it out and make sure you have one of them linebackers over there in case he does decide to run. But besides all that, who would have, 
I guess who would have the advantage on defense from front seven to secondary to even coaching between these two teams against their offenses, which are somewhat identical. And the Bills had a better defense throughout the year, but the Chiefs seem to get better as the year goes on. So who do you think has an advantage there? Um, right now I'm going with the, the Buffalo Bills just by uh, a nose, um, just because of the huge win and the momentum swing that they had to have to, to, to fight you know, a defensive battle last week. I think that uh, gives them the confidence that they need to be able to see, because honestly I thought the Ravens were going to run all over them um, last week. Uh, and I think for to have the success that they had um, there is giving those players a, a boost of confidence. And because Mahomes has started to turn the ball over some recently, the fumbles, he's thrown some interceptions, he's a little bit banged up. Um, I think that I'm going to give it to the, to the Bills just because they they are creating um, turnovers. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Oh, just had a cut out for one second, guys. We're all good. Casey's defense is good, uh, and you said that. Um, but I, 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 I got the bills, bro. You do got the bills. All right. You know, Damian picked the bills last night also, and he called that quantum leap, as he called it, for uh, – for Josh Allen this year, and he definitely took one. There's no question, and I've been a big fan of his. Buffalo, I'm so back and forth on these two. I got the score close no matter which way you want to go with it, but I got to take the Chiefs with Mahomes, and it's not a home field advantage thing. It's just this guy's been there before. He does have more weapons. I kind of trust the Chiefs secondary a little bit more, not the front seven. I'm going to give that to the Bills all the way, and they can create pressure if they'd like to. Leslie Frazier is fantastic, and I think that he should, again, get a, get a head coaching job, but that might be next year, and that's a different story. So, you know, Buffalo, yeah, definitely all-around better defense, special teams. You can go either way with that. I mean, McCole Harmon could score a touchdown. Ian McKenzie can score a touchdown for the Bills. These teams are just so alike. It's going to be a three-point game no matter what, and if I had to pick – I'm still going to take Mahomes, even though people are saying Josh Allen can do whatever Mahomes is going to do. Mahomes is one of those type of guys who can do anything and everything, and not everybody can do that. There's more to the game than that. There's no question about it. Tyree Kill, all right? I, Travis Kelsey was unreal this year. And then you can get, you know, a Sammy Watkins. I don't know if he's going to be healthy. Maybe not, but we saw what McCall Harvey can do. But they had the running game with Williams last week. So it seems like they can do what they want when they want. And before Mahomes went out, they were doing that, even though Cleveland held them to a few field goals here and there, which was good defense on their part. Um, we'll see if the Bills can do that this time. So I hear you with the Bills, and I actually want them to win. But I just have a hard time seeing Mahomes going down in that spot right now. I think Josh Allen's time may be next year with this one. But again, 
you know, I just can't get over the similarities of these two games. And then when you look at the head coach, Andy Reid, who's been there reigning Super Bowl champions, would you give him a slight edge over Sean McDermott and their staff because, you know, after what they did this year? Yeah, man, they are. And Leslie Frazier is no stranger to the game. He knows exactly what's going on. So, yeah, that one's going to be a close one. You and I are going to just disagree on the score and who wins, but we agree basically on everything else. So I'm going to take the Chiefs 28-25 to in this game. I think they just eke one out. But if Buffalo wins, I'm not going to be shocked. They're a fantastic team. What they've done this year is great. And they would have won, what, 11 in a row had it not been for that, you know, Hale Murray, you know, by Kyle Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. So they're as hot as any other team coming in. Rodgers and Green Bay are hot. Obviously, Kansas City's hot. They didn't care about the last game. And Tampa Bay, wouldn't that be something? If they happen to pull it off, they would be playing in their home stadium. I know they wouldn't have a huge crowd for it, like normally, obviously, but that would be a first-time thing. That would be pretty unbelievable if that were to happen. I don't think it will. I don't think it will. Now, there's another question i got to ask you, buddy, before we get out of here. It's about Aaron Rodgers. We both seem to really like him. And people ask me all the time, you know, who do you have first on your list? My answer has been Aaron Rodgers for a very long time because of what he can do. I'm more of an eye test guy. Stats definitely make sense. And if you want to look at his stats, they're better than anybody else's, especially when you talk about quarterback, uh, TD to interception ratio, things like that, always being in the playoffs, all that sort of stuff, yada, 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 and doing it with less talent than other people. So what's been coming up lately is if Aaron Rodgers wins his second uh, you know, uh, Super Bowl, where would that put him on the all-time QB list? Now, Tom Brady's the GOAT, I understand. Nine uh, Super Bowls, six wins. I get all that. Another one could be happening this year. That's very possible. But as far as Aaron Rodgers goes generally, I already think he's the best I've ever seen. But as far as the all-time list, including Super Bowls, accolades, whatever you want to call it, where would you rank him? And again, you don't, I don't need a specific number or anything, but where do you think that he would go down in NFL lore? Mm. Yeah, because uh, there are definitely some good ones. Because when you start thinking about him and how does he actually fit with the new breeze, uh, you know, and you, you start talking about Damarito types, <laughs> yeah, know, and, and guys of this nature. I, I still think Aaron Brett Favre, good lord. Um, mm. uh, I, 
statistically, he's going to be fine when you depend on how you look at the best players, right? And you said about this that the completion percentage, yards thrown, touchdowns versus interceptions, all that kind of stuff. But I think if he wins this second one, he's he's going to be in my top five for sure. And I'm almost wanted to take him in the three. And I played against a really good quarterback, so let me start with that. I played with and against Troy Aikman. I played with and against Brett Favre. I played with and against Dan Marino. Um, and there's a, you know, a whole plethora of other guys. I played against Drew Brees. I played against Philip Rivers. I mean, um, um, oh, shoot, um, Peyton Manning. Mm, um, that's right. So I've, I've seen a lot of guys in this dude, Dan Rogers is one that when I'm watching, that is not someone I want to to go against. Okay, <laughs> you're running the ball and all that stuff, but his ball placement, his accuracy, um, his uh, ability to make you jump off sides, yep. little funny hard count. Catch you, catch you with twelve men on the field. I mean, he's so cerebral. Also, it's not just his physical ability. Like you see, he's so intelligent. He sees everything. He sees everything. Yes, yes. Um, and that's why I think he's, he will be. You win this one, Mister Aaron Rodgers. Um, you get a bigger uh, belt, and, um, and, and you know when, when you have me back on again, I'll give an exact number, but he's definitely. Yeah, 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 and for me already, he's up there. I just, uh, you know, I thought John Elway was the best quarterback I ever saw at first because he was like the first Aaron Rodgers in a way, even though Aaron Rodgers did more. And now here comes Patrick Mahomes, and of course, the thought about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and all that. Now there's one more quarterback who's not in their class, and now I'm going to promise I'm going to let you go. And you don't have to make it a long answer; you can say what you want. But Nikki and I on our show last night got into a big debate because she's a New York Giant fan and she loves Eli Manning and she says that he's a Hall of Famer. So forget about that debate for now because he won his two Super Bowls. Her argument is is that Rivers is not a Hall of Famer because he never won a Super Bowl. It has nothing to do with his stats or how he played for 17 years and being durable. So to me, and I'll just tell you right now, we were on total opposite sides. I'm like, well, are you trying to tell me that Warren Moon and Dan Marino are not Hall of Famers? And she said, yes. She said, yes. I'm like, you you really mean this? You're not just playing around. And she's not playing around. She's holding stance that you need to be a quarterback winning Super Bowl in order to get into the Hall of Fame, which is not true because Marino's there, Jim Kelly, Warren Moon, and a bunch of other guys are there. And I made the point that where you land in the draft or wherever, however it may come about, has a big difference in how your individual outcome and career is going to go on. So I'm trying to make that point to her, letting her know that you don't have to win a Super Bowl to be a Hall of Famer as a quarterback. But some people do think that way. So I'm curious how you think. And then I'm going to let you get out of here and eat some dinner. And you also made me think about, man, do you realize I played against Joe Montana and LA and these guys? And that, you know, just me bring it, make me think of all the, the great quarterbacks. Right. Have, so, you played the you best, know, man. 
you played the best. Yes. yes. Um, but to get to um, the Hall of Fame or being considered the best, you don't have to win a Super Bowl. I concur with you. I think it's, it's still, sure, that's part of your body of work. Um, what you did, and maybe it makes it a no-brainer. Maybe it makes it from if you're a first ballot guy to, you know, to a second ballot guy or something of that nature. But um, God, those people know when they're voting and they're looking at the way you played all the things that we just said a, a few moments ago, um, he, it don't matter. Uh, it was quarterbacks. Um, if you can lead teams, you're, you're great out front, you're a good face, and you're doing things that guys can't do, you're going to get in. That's it. There you go. That's the bottom line. And the debate about Philip Rivers, I understand. Look, he's fifth all-time passing yards, fifth all-time touchdown. So the stats speak for themselves. I know that he only got to one AFC championship, I believe. They happened to own the Colts for a while in the mid-2000s. Yada, yada, yada. No Super Bowl, fine. But like we say, you don't have to win a Super Bowl. I mean, look, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Phil Sims won a Super Bowl. Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl, who you picked off for 101 yards. You know, so, you know, that doesn't mean that they belong in there. And I'm not saying that's what she's saying. So I'm just going to the other side of the coin. So I'm glad you agree with me, and I'm going to let her know that. <laughs> like right now. <laughs> but like, listen, a former, you know, a former, like, all decade, all everything player just told me that you're wrong. So that's going to have to shut her up. And I, I won't give her your phone number so she won't call you and tell you all about how Eli Manning is a freaking Hall of Famer. I promise. Don't worry about that. We'll keep that secret. Although I can't say anything about Twitter, man. That's open, bro. That That's a different story. <laughs> I love it. I love it. George, you've been great, man. I'm so happy that you gave me the time today. I really, really appreciate it. Just listen, tell everybody what you want to say, what's on your mind, what you're doing right now, just anything that's going on. And of course, where to follow you on Twitter, because you are a great follow. And I retweeted something earlier this morning about the playoffs and how hard you had to work to get from Green Bay and the Atlanta issue, Miami, whatever, and then going back to Dallas. You worked hard, man. You are the personification of if you want something, go get it. So I was very impressed by that tweet. No, I do thank you for that. And that's the truth. You know, oftentimes we, as people, we deal with things. And people don't know exactly what they are, what kind of adversity we're having to fight. But I promise you, if you stay the course and you keep your mind clear and you work hard and do the right thing, treat people right, good things will what happened to you? And that's kind of the story that I try to tell in a short way to the high school team that I coached for. I coached at John Paul II High School in Plano, Texas. And, you know, raising kids um, during this day and age is different. They're dealing with different things that me and you didn't deal with. Um, and we got to understand that and help them through that, you know. No I'm fortunate enough to be the coach and the athletic director. Um, I recently just started doing a podcast similar to you. Um, oh. Going on since, since June. So I have a podcast called Teague's Take. Um, we do it weekly. All right. Um, on Tuesdays, and now we're actually starting to go Saturdays and Sundays a lot um, as well because it's going very well. You can find me personally at Teague Football on Twitter and Instagram, George Teague on Facebook. Uh, 
podcast channels at Teach Take Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, you can go find it anywhere. Go find it on your, your local channel. And on the podcast, we do it. It's all sports talk similar to what you're doing. Oh. Except I have a lot of guests the same way I had they do non downwards and on. Oh, the boys. Well, that, hey, George, that's great, man. I mean, hey, you can get any guests you want. That's absolutely awesome, you know, to talk about the games that you guys played back in the day together, whether it was on the same team or not. That, that's really cool. I'm definitely giving that a listen because I did see that um, on your Twitter page earlier. So I'm going to check it out. If there's an episode Saturday, I'm listening, man. I'm in. Oh, man, forget about hopefully. It's an open invitation, my friend, anytime you want. And I really appreciate it. You keep doing your hard work and working with and for those kids. Everything that you do, God bless you, man. You do a wonderful job. You're not just a great athlete. You're a great humanitarian. You do wonderful things, man. And that's why I followed you to begin with. It had nothing to do with getting you on the show. It was just a blessing in disguise. So, again, George Teague, cannot thank you enough. You're a Hall of Famer in my eyes, brother. All right? I thank you so much, and we will definitely do this again and see who comes out on top. Will it be the Packers, the Bills? I don't know. Let's find out. Here we go. (laughs) I can't wait. All right, brother. Thanks so much, man. You have a good night. All right, you take it easy. All right, that is George Teague doing his thing. Absolutely fantastic. Great having him on the Power 32 podcast. Guys, we are out for now. But again, a great show. George Teague, just unbelievable. Great stories. Great player. Go watch some YouTube videos. Hit that up. The Power 32 podcast, out for now. See you next week in third and three. We'll be on Wednesday talking about the Super Bowl 55, baby. See you later.